Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? All right, week 18 underway. The Texans are closing up their season against the Indianapolis Colts, which is who they started the season against. And man, what a week it's been. Of course, news of DeMar Hamlin was, was really what dominated the league news over the week. And of course, practice this week for the Texans also canceled. And then they resumed practice. But then, of course, you know, it sort of colored the meetings and just the mood in the locker room. So, you know, now that we've heard DeMar Hamlin is doing a little bit better, news around the league is that, you know, the, the, the games are going to go on in week 18, as will the Texans at the Colts. But uh, I had a chance to catch up with my friend Lara Overton. She's a team reporter for the Colts. And we just talked about the season that the Colts have had because a lot has changed since week one. And, I mean, if you think the Texans have had a tough season, the Colts have a few more wins under their belt, but there was a lot more expectation with Matt Ryan being signed there, former uh, Super Bowl MVP. And then their season just went on a downward spiral. They've obviously fired their – first they fired their offensive coordinator – then their head coach, then they hired Jeff Saturday. They benched Matt Ryan at one point, then they restarted him. They beat the Raiders in Jeff Saturday's first game. And then, of course, the, the, the meltdown in this, the la- latter half of the season. Uh, they lost a two-score lead to the Eagles against the Vikings. Uh, they had a 33-point lead, and they gave that up, largest blown lead in the history of the NFL in the regular season. So uh, no Jonathan Taylor for this final week of the season he is on IR, so just a disappointing season all around. They'll be starting Sam Ellinger, former University of uh, Texas quarterback, against the Texans, and then Matt Ryan will be the backup. So not really sure what the Texans and the Colts are going to do in the offseason, but it'll be an interesting one for both of these teams, especially for the Colts. that will probably get their head coach uh, hiring started, probably I would imagine right away since Jeff Saturday is their interim. But in the meantime, they're going to want to win this last game, as will the Texans. We heard from John Grenard earlier in the week. Uh, they really want to finish out the season with a win and not go into the offseason with yet another loss. So uh, with that, let's get right into this week's Behind Enemy Sidelines. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston so you can do more of what you love. Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? All right, let's get right into it on the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. We're going behind enemy sidelines with my good friend Lara Overton, team reporter for the Indianapolis Colts. Lara, here we are. Week one ended in a tie, and the Texans and Colts are going to start their season together. They're going to end the season together. A pretty forgettable season for both teams, but when you sort of look back at the season the Colts have had, at what point did you think this is not going to end the way that we had expectations for it? How wild is it that you're bookending the season this way with Colts and Texans in Houston week one and then Colts and Texans in the fashion that no one could have expected, I think, on either side of this for the season finale. I think that really it goes back to that New England game for the Colts when you started Sam Ellinger for a second straight week. They had fired Marcus Brady, and you saw they weren't able to convert on third down. You saw Sam got sacked, I believe, nine times. And you're talking about a pretty mobile quarterback. You couldn't get the run game going. Jonathan Taylor was battling through injuries. 
as well as this defense has played, that's been, you know, unfortunately an overshadowed bright spot. The, this defense has been great over the course of the season, but hasn't gotten the recognition it deserves because the results of these games and the record itself has been so poor. Um, I think that point where you saw that was a low, I think, on, on the season. And then that's, of course, what ignited the change at head coach, the firing of Frank Reich, Jeff Saturday coming in, multiple changes now at quarterback. And since then, things have seemingly spiraled where you have seen guys go on IR, Shaq Leonard lost for the season, Jonathan Taylor, Yannick Ngakwe, Isaiah Rogers. I'm just thinking about the number of different situations where you have lost really valuable guys due to injury and a number of different situations for this team. So I would pinpoint, though, I think the New England game, that game in Foxborough for the Colts was where you started to see that it had gotten to a point that was not going to be resurrected. All right, well, let's talk about Jeff Saturday because obviously everybody was talking about the news when he came in and he led the Colts to a win against the Raiders. And unfortunately, since then, it's been six straight losses. So obviously, it's a tough situation for Jeff Saturday to step into. But how do you assess what he's done with the team and with the locker room with what he's had to take over in just stepping into that role as interim head coach? Jeff brings a a grittiness, a hunger, a heart, a fire. He does bring that into a locker room and everyone who watches him and has watched him, whether that's as a player, uh, you know, a ring of honor player that he was for the Colts or as an analyst on ESPN, Jeff's exactly the same guy. He's completely genuine and authentic and all of those things that you, you see when you watch him on TV or watch him play, or you watch his press conferences or whatever, that's exactly who he is in the building. So there's an authenticity certainly about him where this isn't that Jeff switches gears into coach mode. Jeff is Jeff. And he looks at, okay, these are the things that we did when I was part of a winning culture here with the Indianapolis Colts. And here are the things that I've been able to observe about other organizations being that I think he brings an interesting perspective because he's had to look at all 32 teams and the hundreds of players within the, this league, the coaches, the GMs, and assess what is working in the current state of the NFL? You look at a situation, he had high praise before that game in New York against the Giants about the mental toughness that Brian Dable has brought to the Giants in his short tenure there and how he's been able to implement something there. And I think that it's interesting that Jeff brings a bit of a different perspective from the outside looking in to what is working other places and what needs to be changed here. One thing for Jeff is that he was so honest coming in and said, hey, if, if this doesn't work out at the end of it and I am no good, I will say, God bless you. You know, like I will move on and do something different. And Jeff has that self-awareness to say, I may not be part of the solution, you know, but I do think that he said when he was asked on Monday about, I'm going to paraphrase a bit. He was asked in his normal Zoom call on Monday along the lines of, was there more to this than you could have expected in terms of taking on a team at this point in the season in the season with the situation you were dealt? He said, no, I was fully aware of what I was walking into. What I think people have to be aware of is it's not an indictment of how good Jeff is as a leader or a coach, because it's obvious now that the issues with this team go well beyond what one man can do in an eight-game stretch. No matter how many years you have in coaching, what your record is, it is just beyond the abilities of one person to correct when you have 
the high state offensive line, giving up the number of sacks and allowing the number of turnovers that you have so far this season, a run game that had the rushing champion from last year that could not get itself established and going and Jonathan battling through the number of injuries with the high ankle sprains and things that he has dealt with so far this season, your lack of production with the offense inconsistency with your quarterback play. So I do think that Jeff has been very honest that this wasn't anything that he felt he was ill-equipped to handle. He was ready to step in and knew all that this entailed and it will be very interesting when we're talking seven days from now what transpires moving forward what the Colts will do long term at their head coach position yeah you mentioned all the changes yet another one at quarterback I saw that Jeff Saturday announced on Monday that Sam Ellinger is going to get the start here in the season finale Nick Foles injured his ribs when you look at what Ellinger has been able to do obviously he started some games earlier then he was benched have you seen progress from him? I know that even Levy Smith has talked about sort of the mobility that he brings. You mentioned it as well, but what sort of progress have you seen from him just in his short time where he's uh, been the starter? Hey, I think Texans fans are pretty aware of what he was able to do in four years at the University of Texas. The long runs for sure, yes. It, right? Like, and he walks out of, you know, Westlake High School that is also, you know, also produced Nick Foles and Drew Brees. Like, you know, the lineage of what this kid can do playing quarterback is well established. It's obviously very different when you translate that skill set to the NFL from the system he was playing with UT. But Sam is, from the moment he walked into this building, even as a rookie, Sam is a, a leader. He has a, a toughness. He has an ability to extend and make plays with his feet that you don't have with Matt Ryan or with Nick Foles, he does inject something different into this offense. And I also think that all of those within this locker room have an immense respect for Sam Ellinger because of all of the things that he has endured, both in his personal life and in his career as a football player, when he goes from being the second guy to the starter to inactive, now now backup, now the starter. Then also you think about losing his father at a young age, you, losing his brother. He was drafted last year, his first day in the building, finds out he's lost his brother tragically. So he has been the man of the house, led his family, been there for his mom and his sister through the tragedy that they have endured. He got married this past off season. He is someone who... I have just always thought guys fight really hard for, for whatever that counts for, you know, whatever that means. I think that it does. There is something that Sam is able to bring. He has a bit of, and there can be a negative connotation with this word, but Sam has a bit of swagger about him that every time he steps on the field, he brings, and you feel like that guys hold themselves a little bit. They stand a little bit taller. They go out there. And when you see a guy scrambling around on the field, running like he does, you do feel like that guys feel like they have to step up a little bit. And I feel like that when there have been, I think that's what you saw a bit in the Raiders game too, where it was Jeff stepping in, Frank is gone. We're going back to Matt Ryan. It seemed like that these changes forced the guys to rally a bit. And you wonder if this change now by necessity because of the injury to Nick Foles, if that will have a similar effect going into this game against Houston. And 
you know, Sam has a lot to prove. He he wants to put good tape out there because no one knows what's going to transpire in this offseason. And I do think that Sam can be part of the future of this offense and, you know, part of that quarterback room in some capacity moving forward. And it would do a lot for him, of course. And then also there are a lot of guys on contract years who have a lot to play for that are trying to put good stuff on tape. When you think about the year that Paris Campbell has had, that has been unfortunately, you know, overshadowed by a lack of production within this offense, but there have been so many critics who have said he can't stay healthy. You know, he's made of glass, hasn't played a full season, man. He's been incredibly productive. Look at the catch that he made a 49 yard catch. Excuse me. I think that was the longest completed pass by the Colts all season long. He's a very valuable asset within an offense. So you do hope that you get something um, you, that that does provide a spark. And another thing noting with Sam's prior two starts this season, one at home against Washington and then on the road against the Patriots, the Colts have changed up their offensive line since that time period. If you remember, if you go back to the game against New England, they were rotating guys around the offensive line. They were moving Matt Pryor into a couple different positions until they finally settled upon having Bernard Ryman and Will Fries in that rotation. And that group has played together ever since. So I think that'll be a great benefit too to Sam to have that unit that has, you know, found some continuity in the time since Sam had his last start against New England. I'm sure it'll benefit the run game too, which has also seen a lot of changes. Obviously, no Jonathan Taylor, he's on IR, and then Naheem Hines traded since the last time these two teams met. So how have they been able to replace the loss of their star running back and a, a really good backup here now with Deion Jackson and Zach Moss? Is it a running back by committee approach? Is it go with the hot hand? How have the Colts approached their run game? There is no replacing Jonathan Taylor. He is just that special, right? So it has had to be by committee. And it has been a rotation of backs, pretty healthy rotation. Really, Zach Moss, who was part of that Naheem Hines trade with Buffalo, has carried the bulk of the workload. And he is a powerful downhill runner. You will look, if you look at the tape, especially from the games at Minnesota and then the, so from the Vikings game, the Chargers game, and then the Giants game are situations in which you watch Zach Moss and he is carrying two, three, sometimes even four tacklers with him. He is a beast with the ball. So he brings a physicality to that run game. And that's something that JT does as well. I mean, JT has speed, but he also has that power about him where he takes a lot of pride in running that way. Deion Jackson's second year running back out of Duke very valuable asset. He's really good as a pass catching back as well. And you saw that was the versatility of Naheem Hines, where you would utilize him not only in the run game, but also in the passing game. So you see them incorporate Deion Jackson in that way. And then I have loved the addition of Jordan Wilkins. He was a guy who was part of the Colts running back room for years. He was drafted by the Colts out of Ole Miss and then unfortunately was part of the, the roster cuts. And so he was not in the building for the first part of the season when everything happened with Jonathan Taylor. They were able to bring back Jordan onto the practice squad. He's been active for the last few games and he's a very savvy veteran back that you will see them bring in in a multitude of different situations. I looked at a couple of occasions they were playing with, you know, two running backs on the field against New York. So I think you could see that as well, not just for the run game and pass catching options, but also just for some additional help blocking up front for Sam Ellinger because of what he is able to do with his legs.
All right. Well, in a season like this one, there's so many young players that are at least bright spots for teams like the Colts and the Texans. Who are some of the young players that have really stood out to you this year and you really look forward to seeing back in 2023? Oh my gosh. Well, one of them that I hope is back in 2023 has been Chase McLaughlin because he has brought a consistency to the kicking game and consistency on special teams that the Colts have lacked since Adam Vinatieri retired. So I do think that he has been one who I have been really impressed by. And then looking at the offense, Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods are going to be big weapons and big playmakers moving forward for this Colts offense. Two very well-invested draft picks. Both guys have been huge in critical late game situations. I think we learned a lot about those guys each early on in the season when Jelani was part of the victory over Kansas City. And then it was Alec who had the game winning touchdown against Jacksonville. You saw their ability and how they could be utilized. And you could see that the stage was not too big for them. And then looking to the defensive side of the ball, been incredibly impressed with Rodney Thomas II, a rookie out of Yale, a seventh round draft pick who has stepped in to start at safety when all of the talk preseason and early season was about Nick Cross out of Maryland and Nick has been valuable in a number of different different situations particularly on special teams and he will evolve into a big piece of this defense moving forward but I just have been incredibly impressed with the the shoes that Rodney Thomas has stepped into I mean early on he was making plays on Patrick Mahomes, and he had games in which he had back-to-back interceptions. He picked off, you know, Kirk Cousins and then picked off uh, Justin Herbert in consecutive games. So those have been a few of the young guys who I have really been impressed by, and I'm excited about their futures with this organization moving forward as we start to look ahead to 2023 and through the offseason and building ahead to next year. While there's a lot of uncertainty within the organization, those are some young guys that I do think will be pivotal pieces and pillars for this organization to have promise. All right, good stuff. Lara Overton, team reporter for the Indianapolis Colts. Lara, always appreciate the time. Always appreciate you too. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Great stuff from Lara Overton. The game will be at noon on Sunday on CBS. And uh, the AFC South will at that point be determined because the Titans-Jags game will be played Saturday night. So, of course, this this game, inconsequential to the AFC South championship. Hopefully that changes in the years to come. It's always nice when the Texans are playing for a division title or have it locked up in the final week of the season. But uh, that shall be another question for another day. And we're going to get into the offseason soon enough. So I'm going to try to keep this Deep Slant podcast going in the offseason and, uh, you know, keep you up to date on what's happening just in the division with the Texans in the offseason. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll have a pregame show like we always do for Sunday's game against the Colts. Myself and Cecil Shorts, we will get into all the actives, inactives, and top stories of the game. But that's going to do for the podcast and the 2022 season. As always, thank you so much for listening and go Texans.